I want to talk to you this morning about the Bible's most unappreciated mother. There could be someone else that might would uh, would would run a close race, but uh, this this person you probably don't even know her name. I want to ask you if anyone uh, knows the name Jacobed, maybe Jacobed, if you've seen it that way in the Word of God. I see. I expected. I expected four to five people. I see, I believe, six who know that name. Tell me who that is. Somebody who raised your hand. Tell me who. Moses' mother, exactly. Uh, and see, that tells you um, we, we don't even recognize her name. And one of the reasons we don't is because in, in uh, Exodus, where we read the story, we don't necessarily, uh, it doesn't spell her name out there, but it's just a few chapters later that it does. I want to talk about her this morning, and uh, I believe there's some great things we can learn from her. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, I'm reading from the New American Standard. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no more or no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. And she put the child into it and set, him, set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Heavenly Father, I ask you for your help in preaching the word this morning. I pray, God, that you would, uh, that you would allow this to uh, reach our hearts. God, your word never returns void, but let, let this be an encouragement to the mothers. Let this be an, even an encouragement to fathers who sometimes feel underappreciated. And Father, I pray that you would, uh, that you would move today in our behalf and and God, uh, teach us your ways. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you another question. How many of you mothers, and be very honest, even if your kids are sitting here and going to see it, how many of you mothers would say, uh, that, well, let me first ask, how many mothers do we have here today? How many of you are mothers? Okay. How many of you who just raised your hand, mothers, would say that I sometimes feel underappreciated? I sometimes feel underappreciated, or perhaps I sometimes feel unappreciated. I want you to understand that, that there is, uh, this is probably a common feeling. This is not something that you um, feel alone. Uh, I, I can imagine that, uh, I, I don't know if, if Jacobed uh, felt this way, but I, I can imagine that she might have. And, and there are lots of reasons, but uh, she, she is probably the most unknown, one of the most unknown, very important mothers in the Bible. We don't, we don't normally even know who she is. After today, perhaps you'll remember her name. It's spelled with a J. I'll spell it for you, actually. It's J-O-C-H-E-B-E-D. Uh, but in the, in the Hebrew language, they didn't pronounce the J. They used it as a, a Y, a Yah sound. Her name was Jacobed, or some translations even say Jacobed with a V instead of a B. She's perhaps the Bible's most unappreciated mother, and maybe not necessarily by her children, but if we look at mothers in the Word of God, normally we think of, we think of other famous, important mothers, other mothers from the Bible like uh, Mary, who the Word of God tells us in Luke chapter 1, verse 42, that she was the blessed, the most blessed of all women, because she was the one who was chosen to carry Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God. We, we remember mothers like Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, or Sarah, the mother of 
of Isaac and Jacob, um, the wife of Abraham. We remember mothers even like Eve, who was the, the mother of all living. She was the first, the first woman, and so therefore the first mother. And when we think of, of mothers in the Word of God, these are the people that our minds go to. Um, think of Hannah. Often, when I think of a mother, Hannah was a Hannah was was a woman who was barren and longed to be a mother f- so badly that she went before the altar of the Lord and she cried out and she she was so desperate and so much in need of having a child that the the priest at the time thought that she was a drunken woman who had stumbled into the sanctuary. But she she assured him, "I am not drunk. I am I am hurting. I am in pain. I'm bereaved because I have." no child and and he makes a a promise a a prophetic promise to her and he says you will have a child about this same time the next year and and God blessed her with a child and and she gave her son back to the Lord you know that story it's the story of a of a mother who who desperately loved her child but was willing that the Lord would have her son rather than she just get the enjoyment out of him but most of the time we don't know who Jacobed is she is uh, she's rarely even known by name. We are familiar with the story, but we don't necessarily know her name. I want to read more of that, and, and then I'll come back. But let's read um, from Exodus chapter one. Let's give some background here. Exodus chapter one, verse six through twenty-two, and then we'll jump down to Exodus chapter two. Exodus chapter one. Verse 6 through 22 says, Joseph died. You know who Joseph was? Remember the story of Joseph that had the coat of many colors and he was cast into the pit because his brothers were jealous. He was taken by a caravan, sold into slavery in Egypt and he lived there until the Lord took him out of the pit, put him in the palace. You know the story. Raised him up into the government of Egypt. He became second in command to the Pharaoh and was well known. But there came a, di- a day when, when he died. And, and this is where we start. It says, Exodus chapter 1 verse 6, Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation. But the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty. So that the land was filled with them. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more mighty than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, or else they will multiply. And in the event of war, they will also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. And they built for Pharaoh storage cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and the more they spread out so that they were in dread of the sons of Israel. Verse 13 says, the Egyptians compelled the sons of Israel to labor rigorously. They didn't just say, come on, labor hard. They compelled them to labor rigorously. They, they forced them into labor. They were forced Labor, And they made their lives bitter with hard labor in mortar and bricks and all kinds of labor in the field. And all of their labors which they rigorously imposed upon them. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. One of them named Shifra and the other was named Pua, I suppose. And he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it be a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. 
But the midwives feared God, and they did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing? And let the boys live. And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous, and they give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. Because the midwives feared God, then he established households for them. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born to you shall be cast into the Nile, and every daughter... You are to keep alive. Let's jump to uh, Exodus chapter 2 now, verse 1 through 10. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. We're talking about out of the same tribe. The man from the house of Levi was named, if I'm remembering this right, Amram. And, and he married a daughter of Levi. We see in Exodus chapter 6 that her name was Jochebed. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no more, no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it with tar and pitch. And she put the child into it. And she set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. And his sister took it. I'm sorry, his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the Nile and her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid and she brought it to her. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go? And call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse your child or the child for you. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go ahead. So the girl went and and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the women took the child and nursed him, or the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became to her a son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I have drawn him out of the water. Now I want us to understand a few things as we talk about this morning. This morning, um, There's not a lot written about Jacobed in the Word of God. There's very little actually, but there are quite a lot that we can see because of the story that is given. Uh, as I said, she was the wife of, of Amram, the mother of Miriam and, and Aaron and Moses. And we see that she was the mother of Aaron and Moses in Exodus chapter 6 verse 20. She is the first person in the Word of God, the very first person. In the word of God who has the name Yah associated with her name. Which is, which is part of the name of Jehovah. It's, it's Yahweh actually in the Hebrew language. And so she is, she is one of the first persons to have had that name associated with her name. Now this is, this is interesting and I'll pause here and tell you why it's so interesting. Because she was, she was named this far before, long before Moses was grown and went into the wilderness and saw the burning bush. And when he walked up there and he he began to wonder what was going on and he walked up and the Lord spoke to him out of the burning bush and said, take your shoes off Moses for you're on holy ground. And then the Lord revealed to himself, to Moses, what his name was. And his name was Yahweh. His name was, the way we say it, is, is Jehovah. 
So God had revealed, this was a generation later that God revealed this to Moses. God had revealed to someone in Moses' family the connection between this God who was real and his name, Yahweh. Because her name means, Jacobed means Jehovah or Yahweh is my glory. That's powerful. I don't know why, why I had never seen that before, but that's powerful. And, and if we think about this just for a moment, this is another example, as I've shared with you before, we've talked about families, building better families. This is another example about our God being a generational God. He wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to reveal Himself to your children. He wants to reveal Himself to your grandchildren. God wants to reveal Himself. This is not about knowing about a God. This is about knowing our God personally. It's about allowing the glory of God to be our glory. I don't need the glory of this world. I don't need the glory of my own person. But I want the glory of God, like Jacobed, to be my glory. Jehovah is her glory. She was the first person referenced in the Bible having a name that was associated with Jehovah, with Yahweh. Her name meant Yahweh is her glory. Some translations say Yahweh is our glory. Very interesting. Jewish tradition says, and as I said, there's not a lot about her in the Word of God, but Jewish tradition says that she was a midwife. Jewish tradition says she was one of those two midwives mentioned in chapter 1. That she was, that another name that she was called by was Shifra. That she was, she was one of those midwives. I don't know if that's the truth or not, but I want us to consider that if, if this is true, then Pharaoh was giving these two women a command directly to kill the sons of Israel and, and she probably at that time may have known that she was with child. She may have known this will cause my son to be killed. Perhaps she studied and how might I save him and how might, how might this, uh, how might this, my position as being a midwife, how can I use that to rescue my son? And, and, and I don't know if she found a way through that or even if that is the truth, but that's what Jewish tradition says and often Jewish tradition is correct. Something else that Jewish tradition says that I, I will I will not pretend to know if, if it's the fact, but it's interesting, and I want to share it with you. I'm not telling you that it is, but it's very interesting. They say that Amram, when he found out that she was given the job of killing the sons of Israel, that he, he was filled with rage, he was filled with hatred, and he gave her a bill of divorcement. And she lived separate from him for some time, according to Jewish tradition. She was already pregnant. She was already with child. Even he divorced her. And Miriam, her daughter, who was already a little older, Miriam came to her, supposedly, and told her, you have to forgive mother for being apart because this is a commandment of, of, the, of the Pharaoh. Now the word of God says that they didn't do what he said. They honored God rather than the Pharaoh. So after a, a, a time of three months, supposedly, he saw that she was, she was honoring God and not honoring the Pharaoh, and he accepted her back. He remarried her, accepted her back into the family, and about then is when the people around knew that she was with child. So they thought that she was with child after their second marriage, and that gave her a span of three months to hide him without anybody knowing that she had had the child. I don't know if that's true or not. Very interesting. But here's what we need to get out of this. 
No matter what happened, whether, whether she was known as Shifra or, or whether she was just known as Jochebed, she honored God and she trusted God. She knew that God was her only help. She knew that, that Moses was something special about him. It says that she saw that he was beautiful. Uh, one version I, I think I, I read saw that, said that she saw that he was healthy. But I believe that she must have seen something in him, not just, not just the normal thing. I believe that it was because she feared God. She feared God and would not allow, if possible, her son to be taken by this evil king who was killing children. I want us to understand that it's very important that we, as mothers, as fathers, as parents, hold our children up in prayer. Don't just give in to this is the way the world is. This is how they will have to react. This is what's coming their way. So I'm I'm going to just have to submit to that. There's nothing I can do. It doesn't matter to me if they're very little children or if they're grown and have their own family. We need to lift our children up. We don't need to compromise. We need to continue to hold on to the promises of God. The promises of God are yea and amen. The Word of God tells me that if I will narrow the path... If I will train up a child in the way that he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Hold on to that truth. Lift that truth up. Lift that child up in prayer. Don't give up on them. Don't worry about where they're at. Don't worry about what the winds of this world are doing, blowing our children around. But hold them up in prayer. Let me encourage you, even if nobody ever recognizes it, even if no one ever knows your name, Lift that child up in prayer. Hold on. By faith, believe in something better for them. Amen? Amen. Now, Jochebed, she doesn't even get the credit for raising her own son. Pharaoh's daughter gets the credit for raising Moses. But it was his own mother who nursed him when he was a child, a baby. And she raised him up until he was old enough that he, he could be weaned. And in those days, they didn't wean him quite as quickly as, as are, they're weaned today. So she, had, she spent his early formative years with him, and no doubt he knew who she was. Later on, he remembered. We know that. But she spent time with him. She probably instilled her values in him as much as was possible at that early age. But we don't, we don't hear that. We don't, she don't get the credit for that. Moses' sister, even Miriam, she gets credit for being the one bold enough to say, to stay behind and watch and, and, and to see what happened to him and to say to the, to the Pharaoh's daughter, to the princess of Egypt that, that I can find you a, a, a nurse who will who will nurse him. I can find you one of the Hebrew women who has lost her child who can come and nurse him. And we see great wisdom there and, and, and she, she gets some applause there. But we don't, we don't know how that all came about. Perhaps Jochebed was so, so broken hearted by the loss of her son, by setting him adrift, by being away from him, that she might have said, stay and see that he is okay. But I have to go. I have to, my, my heart is broken. I can't watch. It's too hard. I've placed him in this basket of reeds and I've placed him out there in, in the bulrushes and, and this, this Nile is filled with crocodiles and if he cries, they'll, they'll, they'll perhaps hear him and, and he'll be killed and I can't stand to watch that. But Miriam stayed and she watched to see what would happen. That probably was at the request of her mother. And so Miriam gets the credit for that as well. Jochebed isn't even mentioned by name here in this story, as I told you. But we see later in Exodus 6 that her name is mentioned. Yet her heroics, not only as 
being one who God used to save Moses. But ultimately, as the catalyst that would save a nation. I want you to get this. She was heroic enough to say, I am not going to just give them my child so that my child will be killed. I'm going to do everything, even if it costs me my life because I've been disobedient to the Pharaoh. I will do whatever I can to see that my child has an opportunity to live. And she was heroic and her effort saved her son. But they also, and we don't see this, but they also were the catalyst that saved the entire nation. I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few moments. Jochebed was born into slavery in Egypt. She was of the tribe of Levi, but they had been there and generations had passed. And the king that knew Joseph had forgotten. He, he had died and the new king had forgotten who the family of Israel was, who Joseph was and what he had done for Egypt. And it was not well known, but... Jochebed, Jochebed, she was, she was a, a slave girl, a slave woman, a woman who was born into slavery. She had probably never known freedom. Slavery is all that she had ever seen. Hard work was all that she had ever seen. Women in that day weren't treated very well anyway. Women, wives were sometimes treated just barely more than, than, than livestock, barely more than property. And she was a slave woman. She was not even one who would have had any of the comforts that, any of the comforts that you might have known. She would have not have been shown respect. She would not have been shown love. She would have been considered property. As I said, very similar, similar to livestock. She was probably not even allowed to make any decisions in relation to her children. The slave owners would make those decisions. But she hid her son away. And the Pharaoh gave that order. Jochebed boldly and blatantly defied the order of the Pharaoh. And when her son was born, and she found him healthy, and she found him beautiful, and no doubt by the instruction of the Lord, she hid him away as long as she could hide him. And when it became evident that she could hide him no longer, rather than submit to his death, She rebelled and she set him adrift in a basket on crocodile infested water. Can you just imagine just for a moment the risk that she was taking? I've said all this but I want to drive this point home. She was risking his life. Even if he, if he rolled any, at this time he was three months old, even if he rolled any, there could have been a, a tipping that would have happened and, and he could have went into the water and drowned or the crying could have called crocodiles or perhaps someone could see what she was doing and then not only the baby would be killed, but she certainly would have been killed too. She was risking her own life. And most of us didn't even know her name. She's very underappreciated. She was willing to risk everything. And the risk was because she was a mother. She loved her child. With that love that God gives mothers, that that agape type love. And she was willing, if this kills me, if this causes me to die with my child, I would rather die with my child than to abandon him to the, the law of the day which said he must be killed. 
Now I want you to think about what would have happened if she had not been obedient to what I believe was the voice of the Lord. I believe that God, he, God told us that he knew uh, Jeremiah in the belly before he was even born. I have news for you. That was not something that was unusual. God knows each of us in the belly before we are born. God knew you. He knew your name. He knew what your name would be. He knows every part of your DNA. The hairs of your head are numbered. He knows you're rising up, you're sitting down. He knew you before you were conceived. He knows you now. He will know you throughout eternity. There's nothing that you have ever done that he hasn't witnessed. He knows you. And I believe just as God knew Jeremiah in the womb, he also knew who Moses was. And I believe that just as God ordained that Jeremiah should be a prophet, he also ordained that Moses should be a prophet. This was part of the plan of God. But what if... Jochebed hadn't been obedient to God and had been obedient to the Pharaoh. Without Moses, we would have no story of the burning bush or taking his shoes off on holy ground. Without Moses, the water of the Red Sea would have never been parted. Without Moses, Pharaoh probably would never have seen the power of a true God. Without Moses, would the five books of the Torah, the, the Old Testament, would the first five books of the Old Testament have even been written? Would the law of God have been given to the, to the Jewish people? Without Moses, it's, it looks unlikely. God probably would have had another plan had she not been able to carry that out. No doubt God would have had another deliverer. God is never caught blindsided, but What if it had not been for Moses? The law of God which paved the way for Messiah, Jesus Christ. The law of God which pointed us to the need of a Savior. The law of God that tells us we're not good enough to be in right standing with God. We cannot be good enough. And so it points us to the need of a Savior. That law of God was given to Moses and if it had not been for him would we have even known our need would we have died in our sins without knowing a savior because we didn't know we needed him would we know that we could get close enough to God that our countenance could shine with his presence that's what Moses did when he went up on top of the mountain he came back down and the people looked at him and they had to turn their faces away because he shined with the presence of God God actually wants all of us to come into that place that our lives are shining with his presence God wants to take you there he wants to take me there but we might not have ever known it had it not been for Moses would we know that it's God's desire that his people be free had it not been for Moses, the deliverer. The Word of God tells us that who the Son sets free in the New Testament, who the Son sets free, is free indeed. The Word of God tells us that it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to redemption. Would we have known without Moses that God wants to save His people? Would Israel have been delivered from slavery in that generation? And probably not. Would there even still be an Israel without Moses? 
Because if you'll recall the Word of God, you'll re, you read in the Old Testament, if you've read the, the Word through, you have read in the Old Testament that there was a time that God's anger was kindled against Israel. And Moses said, if you are going to destroy them, then you will have to destroy me too. And Moses stood in the gap for those people when God was willing to strike them dead and raise up a new generation after Moses. So would there have even been a nation of Israel. It might have been called something else. It might have been the children of Moses rather than the children of Israel because he stood in the gap. But all of this was made possible by the very least appreciated mother in the Word of God. All of the accomplishments of Moses, the amazing accomplishments were perhaps set in motion a generation before by the faith of a woman called Jochebed because she feared God Because of other women who feared God and would not put the children to death. They feared God and they said, we will not bow to man. We will serve God. This was instilled in Moses through his mother. When he raised up and began to grow, when he, when he got older, he looked out and he saw that the Egyptian taskmasters were treating those people wrongly. And this injustice rose up in him and he said, this has to stop. Sure, he took it the wrong way. He did the wrong things. He took matters into his hands and he killed that Egyptian taskmaster. But there was something in him that said this injustice has to stop. I believe with all my heart that was instilled in him by Jacobed who said we will not submit to the injustice of, of, of the Pharaoh and kill our own children or allow them to be killed. So Jacobed who was little known, she, she, her name is very little known but it's clear to see that she trusted God. The word tells us that she also gave birth to Aaron. And Aaron was the firstborn or the first high priest of Israel. Now, Moses and Aaron were both of the lineage of Levi. They were descendants of Levi. Their mother and their father both were from that same tribe. And we know that the children of Levi became known as the Levitical priests. Part of this, we might have to say, all goes back to Jochebed. Because she had enough of God in her to say, I will not bow to this commandment and see my child killed. I will honor God and I will save the lives at least of her son and perhaps of others. You as a mother, you here this morning, you might feel underappreciated. You might feel unappreciated. As As a mother or even as a wife or possibly even in hundreds of different areas, you might feel underappreciated. Gentlemen, this is not just for the women. You might feel underappreciated as well. Perhaps you don't feel that you're appreciated by your children or your wife. Whoever, anyone in here, if you feel underappreciated, let me remind you that this story shows that great accomplishments can happen even if your name is never known. Even if no one ever recognizes you as being the person who who set the events in motion. Even if someone takes the torch. Come on, thank you. 
You want to come up and help me? Whoever said that, come on, come on up here and help me preach. Takes the torch and runs with it. You might not have ever gotten the credit. You might not ever have any praise. But it's not about the praise of mankind. It's not even about the praise of our children. Our job before God is to lift Him up. Our job before God is to instill those values in our kids. Our job before God is to be honest before Him. And if no praise ever comes my way, as long as the praise and the glory is going to God, just like what happened happened here, the praise and the glory went to God, then it's okay. Don't worry about whether you're getting the appreciation that you should. I know sometimes it hurts not to be appreciated. I understand that. But you are appreciated by God. And you need to know that. Instill godliness into your children. Risk everything, mothers, fathers too. Risk everything to see that your kids have the spiritual background, that foundation of Jesus Christ. Even if you've given them the foundation and they're already grown, continue to risk everything to point them toward Him. Offer your children into God's care as, and, and allow Him to ordain their steps, but speak into their lives. When she set that, that little basket adrift, she was allowing Moses to go out of her hands into God's hands. Mothers, we have to do that. Fathers, we have to do that. But we still speak into their lives. She got the opportunity to speak into his life for several years, for quite a few years. Mothers, you have the great honor of giving birth to your children and birthing them into the faith. I understand that the decision is all theirs. They have to make that decision whether or not they're going to follow the Lord for themselves. But you have the great responsibility of building that foundation for them. And fathers, we, we get to take part in it. But honestly, the mothers do the majority of the work. You know that. Most of the time, the mother spends more time with her children. And, and she speaks into their lives more. So don't diminish your own importance. Be encouraged. It's no small thing what you're doing. And I do believe that that old saying is true. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. In a manner of speaking. Because you have great influence. You have great influence. And God has ordained that it be that way. Be sure that your influence is godly influence. And as much as you deserve appreciation, let all the praise go to God. Because He's the one who deserves it. You are appreciated. 